so grateful and thankful for salvation that's in the blood. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. It's redeemed us unto God. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. Thankful for your life. We thank you for the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for your presence in this place. Not only with us, but in us. For every believer, I thank you that you lead us, you guide us, you teach us. That the anointing present upon our life and in this place breaks off yokes of bondages. So the captive might go free. I thank you. It binds up brokenness to such a degree that it doesn't appear that it's ever been broken before. Supernaturally, you put things back together again. We might fulfill our divine purpose. Thank you for the utterance to speak, for everyone to know the debt's already been paid so we can step in to that divine relationship with you. So we thank you for utterance, and we thank you for ears to hear what you're saying to each and every heart, each and every life. The transformation that the word brings would be realized to each and every one so we become more like you. So we thank you, Father, for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who greets it, amen. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. Welcome. We're so glad that you are here. And uh, really, I believe God is really speaking to us some tremendous, tremendous things for our generation. And so why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me. The life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Thank God for victory. Amen. We live on victory side. Praise the Lord. The enemy might try to tell you you've been defeated, but he's the one that's been defeated. And we live on the side of victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so I uh, want to remind you next week, Brother Larry, Dr. Larry Hutton will be with us. And uh, he always brings a tremendous word. He's a great teacher of the word of God. Brings impartation. So you want to miss that, bring somebody with you. And uh, uh, again, um, just some great things coming up. We are honored and blessed. Um, uh, Miss Cindy Duvall is here with us today. Amen. And... Uh, Praise the Lord. She uh, came by. We're going to go honor uh, Brother Beerman. I went home to be with the Lord uh, about a week and a half ago. And, and uh, so she came up to uh, go to that service and is here. So I was going to get to that. And um, <laughs> she's here. And so, you know... Uh, her instructional and counseling services will be open, so immediately following the service, if you need one, come up, um, and she'll schedule you in for short counseling. If you need some clarity on what we said today, she'll do that, but anyway, uh, she's really a great mother in the faith for us, has been here for a long, long time, and uh, so I might get a little bit nervous today. I don't think she's ever been in a service that I preached at. Usually she avoids that, but she came today, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, so here we are. Praise the Lord. And so uh, open your Bibles with me to Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. I was telling the, the first service as we ended uh, this particular series of messages as we came upon it. As I, I was studying about it, looking at the day and the time that we live in, seemed like there, you know, there was a little bit of oddity uh, to me because it seems like an old message, but it's, it's a powerful, eternal message for all time. And so even the younger generation, just, uh, I really want you to pay attention because where I feel like, you know, we're moving away from this, if we can draw near to this, everything is really in this, this understanding of the message, the covenant connection that we have. And as we talk about these covenant connections, we've, we've gone different directions. And so there's three, uh, and again, I've said this before, there may be a, a number that you can find in the Bible of different ones, but three main relationships that God has designed for us, our relationship with him through Jesus Christ, the marriage relationship, family, and the church, and the church. And they all are covenant relationships. They're covenant relationships. 
And so, as we see, uh, you know, a deterioration sometimes of, uh, of really, you know, people's relationship with God. They're looking right now. We have a generation that they're using this term, I'm deconstructing my faith. But because of not good teaching, they're deconstructing something they never really constructed. Right? They never really knew what faith in God was. They maybe came into religion. But when you have true faith in God, and that's constructed, you'll never deconstruct it. Because God is always faithful and true. Right? So the idea that we came in and God wasn't faithful, we were faithful, God wasn't faithful, really gets us messed up. Because really, the Bible says God is faithful, even when we're faithless, God will never deny himself. So circumstances may not turn out the way we wanted to, but God never denies his word. He'll always do what he's, he says he will do. And so it's timing. A lot of it's timing. Abraham, you know, we'll get into Abraham just a little bit, but, you know, it took 25 years for Isaac to show up. But as we'll see, because of his understanding of covenant relationship, when, when his faith, he would be getting tired, the Bible says he wouldn't grow weak in faith, but he strengthened himself because he knew and declared God is faithful who has promised. If he promised it, he will perform it. And so we look at, you know, if we're not careful, we get Western mentality, I promise. And we walk away and go, if I get it done, I'll get it done. But in covenant, promise means if I don't fulfill what I promise, because a blood covenant is sealed with life. So Abraham was saying, there's a covenant with God. He's got to come through. And so as we start realizing and understanding covenant, our service, even within the local body, won't be, I give my word, I'll volunteer if I want. I'm connected in covenant, right? And the strengthening of the body begins to allow God to reach into a lost and dying world. But if we look like the world, we don't understand covenant. It's all just about how we want to. We don't look that much different. How are you going to reach somebody with something that doesn't look different? But it looks different when we come together in covenant. We're God's people bound by him. We come under that umbrella of who he is. When everything's going on in the world, there's an umbrella. We even show that. You can step outside of that and stuff's still going on, right? The Bible says if we step outside of that, there's still stuff that goes on that affects us that's not God's plan for our life. But many times we don't even know we stepped out of it because we don't understand covenant and the importance of that. So Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 uh, says this, now may the God of peace who brought up the Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Somebody say everlasting covenant. Everlasting. Say it again, everlasting covenant. Everlasting. So when you accept Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed, you come under an everlasting covenant. An everlasting covenant. So when you think of that covenant language, Hebrews 13, he, he writes a little bit later, so Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we just read over that. But if you understand covenant, he has to be the same because he's made covenant to be the same. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. That means he has to be there, Right? And so when we begin to understand this everlasting covenant, and now listen what the everlasting covenant, he says that through the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So in this everlasting covenant, there's a transformation that takes place, a completeness of who we are supposed to be, who we were created to be, that we begin to walk in this pleasure of God. Not working like, man, if I don't do this, God's not going to be happy. No, in covenant, we become one with him. And when we understand the oneness and the power and the completeness in revelation of who we are in Christ, it's well-pleasing to God. So as we get into this and we begin to understand more fully covenant, 
I want to make this little bit of this disclaimer as we look at it, and we're going to use different covenants and, and talk about the, the general, because when you talk about covenant to covenant people, they know there's a whole ceremony. So sometimes in the Bible it says, and they cut a covenant. But when they cut a covenant, they didn't just go, we cut a covenant. They actually went through a process of cutting covenant. So the process, we're going to line that out. There's little different nuances when you study different covenants, but we're going to bring that to light. And hopefully, I'm asking you, use your imagination, right? You use it to worry about everything that's going to go wrong in life. And the Bible actually tells us when you start worrying about everything that's going to go on in life that's negative, cast that down and bring your imagination into obedience with Christ. So today, if you could imagine a covenant ceremony. Just go back, wherever you were, in your closet, your prayer closet, whether it's at the front of a church somewhere or in a private time that you realized, I need Jesus, Lord, and you bowed and you said, God, I'm letting go. Forgive me of my sin. You come in and be the master of my life. Save my life. Something supernaturally was happening from the view of heaven. You were cutting covenant. So just use your imagination that from that view of heaven, this whole ceremony was going on that you might not have known about, but if you use your imagination and you see yourself going through this ceremony, I believe covenant's going to set in and we're going to really lock into some things that will make, certainly the enemy will pressure and make life difficult, but from our perspective, living the Christian life will be easier. Right? So we have to understand this. So from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, it's all true, but it's God because all life of, the life of all flesh is in the blood. He said that's why the blood of bulls and goats is being poured out, because innocent life had to be given. So the old covenant is mostly transactional. I know I said this before, but it, it'll come back. You'll just get in the habit of transaction. So what I mean transactional, because there was no really life transfer in it, It covered our sin and continued to reveal the transaction. We can't do this transactionally of our own strength. We do our own strength and God performs his deal, right? And so the Old Testament, because it's the blood of bulls and goats, is very transactional. If they fulfilled this, then God would do this. He would guard them, protect them, bless them. New covenant, and this is the difference. We go, well, that's the old law. We're under grace. Really, the main thing, he, he fulfilled everything in the law himself, right? The relationship that God wanted to have. So the new covenant is relational, not transactional. But now when we say that, we're like, oh, yeah, it's not religion, it's relationship. If you don't understand relationship, that saying doesn't do any good because you'll stand in front of God having not entered into relationship, just saying, well, at least it's not religion, it's relationship. But if you don't know what relationship is, what covenant relationship is, what covenant love is, what covenant friendship is, right? So what happens is the life of all flesh is in the blood. So when we make covenant with Jesus Christ, there's a transfusion. See, in the old covenant, there was no transfusion. We couldn't take on the life of a bull or a goat. That would be wrong. But in the blood of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, human blood being shed, right? So you say, well, my blood, I don't know, I don't, yeah, your bloodline, human bloodline was shed and mingled with the blood of God. For what purpose? So that the very life that was in the blood comes into our life. So it's no longer transitional. I don't tithe to get God to bless me. If I tithe, God blesses me. No, I'm generous because that's God's life. And I enter into the overflow of his life because I do it. Not because I I have to do it, but because it's part of my life. To acknowledge that God is the giver of all that I have. And everything that I have and everything that I am is his. And everything that he has and everything that he is is mine. Not transactionally, relationally through the blood. Right? So if we can do that, even when we read the Old Testament, go, okay, I see where they're at, but for me, this is life because I've received the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God into my life. I'm not doing this to get him to do that. He already did what was necessary. I received it. Now together, not apart from him, look at me, God, look what I did. 
Everything is with him. Some of you are still nodding. Wait a minute, I do stuff for God. Well, you might do stuff for God, but if you do stuff for God without God, we've achieved far less than the best. But we do stuff with God for the kingdom to reveal his life to those who don't know him. And the work of it is less difficult because we're not operating in our power, we're operating in his power. Right? Okay. So, so you all with me? So again, this is a little bit of review, but I believe I, I just can't get away from it. All right. So first of all, to understand the bond of the blood covenant, the bond of the blood. We just said that. The life of all flesh is in the blood. The old saying, blood is thicker than water. Western culture, we, did, we, we brought that, we actually flipped it. We said family is more important than anything. But actually that phrase doesn't mean family is more important than anything. That phrase means blood covenant relationship. Blood covenant brotherhood is thicker than family relationship. Because it goes back to the ancients which they actually said blood is thicker than mother's milk. So when I cut a covenant with somebody, right? So I'm born of the same family. We can depart from one another, go our separate ways. And certainly there's, there's angst about all that, but you can. But when I say I'm cutting a covenant with you, if I break that, yeah. it's worthy of death. So the bond is much greater. It's bound with life, all right? So it's a, a covenant bond. We understand that depth of covenant bond. The power of a blood over a contract, we said that. Life is in the blood. There's no life in ink for a contract. So in our culture, we make a contract to get our way, but we're always planning on if it doesn't go our way, we get out. Covenant, you can't do that. Covenant, you can't do that. So we had some understanding of covenant way back because you didn't even need a contract. If you gave your word, if you even shook a hand with the understanding of my word is so powerful, my word represents who I am. And I'm joining into this. You give me your word who you are. I'll give you my word who I am. That means you can be assured that it's going to happen. Well, it even goes into a greater depth in covenant. So we understand the purpose of covenant is strength. Strength. So when we look at where we need strength, when tribes enter into areas and they say, listen, you know, I said this last week, if you had a tribe somewhere and they could grow crops, but every time they grew crops, every time it was harvest season, stronger tribes came in and raided their camp and took all their crops, they would have to think, this is such an endless cycle of lack for us. We need to find one of these very strong tribes. The best would be to find the strongest tribe. Go to them, take our chief to them, and make terms of covenant. Something like this, you know, it would go like this. We will grow crops for your tribe to make sure they're always sustained, grow crops for our tribe, so we'll always have food. But because of that, you will need to protect us. So they make all the terms of that covenant. We'll protect you in all these ways. You supply for us in all these ways. And they, and they would come together and they would divide the covenant animal. They would find the princes of the tribe or the leaders of the tribe. They would come together. They would promise those terms in front of the whole tribe. And then they, they would mingle their blood. They would do all that stuff. And, and, and the life of that was really in the blood. But they would do that for strength, Right? So their strength, the tribe's strength would overcome their weakness. Their strength would overcome their weakness. Now, you basically, they would change their name, and they would become one tribe, and they would be the strongest, well-producing tribe in the region. Right? Instead of a well-producing tribe and a strong tribe, they made covenant, and they became the strong, well-producing tribe. Praise God. So when we think about, hmm, let's see, my life or Jesus' life? The life of man under sin or the life of God? I believe based on my weakness, I should cut a covenant with God for strength. Now, see, listen, people have a, a trouble with this, but if you understand covenant, you don't, right? I'm no longer a mere man. I was a mere man, but because of my weakness as a mere man, I made a covenant with God. Now I am a God-man infused with the life of God. People are like, blasphemy. No, that's what the Bible says. You are a new creation. The life of God now dwells in you through covenant. 
Are you also with me? So it's the purpose of it is strength, right? And so then we get to really the promises of God, the promise that God has made to us. So in Genesis chapter 15, again, just to go over it, uh, God came to Abram, and Abram wasn't able to have any children, and God had manifested himself before that to Abram, and then they, they're having this relationship. He comes back to him, and he says, you know, I'm the Lord your God, your exceedingly great reward. So Abram's like, well, we have this relationship, but I'm not sure where the reward is at or how far the reward's going to go because I have no legacy. My weakness is to have a friendship with God, I have no legacy. The heir in my house is Eliezer of Damascus. He's not really mine. He's just a servant. God said, Eliezer will not be your heir, but one that comes from your own body will be your heir. And Abram's like, hmm, you must not have met my wife. God says, oh, I know who your wife is. See, God had watched them. God knew them. God knew that Abram would raise his children well, that he would have a legacy. He saw his character. He saw his nature, right? He saw Abram's ability to raise his children. God needed that on the earth. So God says, really, I have no weakness. I can do whatever I want. But if if we're going this way, I need a man on the earth that will raise their children to get a legacy going so that I can bring the Messiah into the earth. He needs me because he can't have kids to even raise. But I know his character. He'll raise his children well. So let's make a covenant. So he tells Abram, uh, you know, uh, Abram said, okay, well, here we go. How is this going to happen if I don't have that? And, and God says, well, come on outside here for a minute. Look up, up, up at the stars. Count them if you're able. So he starts, forget it. I'll believe you. He says he believed God. And God says, all right, that makes for good relationship, righteousness, because you are believing me. You're trusting me. Now, in that, he goes, okay, you're God. You'll do this. But how will I know that what you've promised will happen? So immediately, God says, go get a bull, get some doves. So what did he say? Abram got it right away. Go get some animals. We're going to cut a covenant. And the way you'll know my promise will come to pass is we're going to cut a covenant. So let's carry this through. First, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul said, the gospel, the message we bring to you is not yes and no, but it's yes. See, as Christians, we're like, maybe yes, maybe no. I'll pray, maybe no. It's yes in Christ Jesus. Every promise that God made throughout the history of the Old and the New Covenant, every promise of God has its yes, and it's so be it, in Christ. So we know that in Christ is a very important term. But without knowing covenant, you're trying to figure out, how do I get in him and him in me? But if you understand covenant, you realize, whew, that's where it is. The promise is in Christ, in covenant with Christ. Every promise that God's made. Why? Because when we look at the expanse of the covenant, the expanse of the covenant, you will prosper. You'll have health. You'll have wisdom. You'll have knowledge. You'll have peace. You'll have strength. You'll have protection. You'll have all of those things, right? Lots of promises. Let's see. Let me, what promise do I want to pick? And we can do that and have limited understanding and limited blessing. But when we look at the promise and we track the promise down, 2 Peter chapter 1, Paul, uh, Peter comes to him and he says, listen, here's the deal, that God uh, really has given you everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness, and it comes through the knowledge, the experiential knowledge of him, not just the head knowledge, the experience of interaction, union with Christ, right, through covenant, not just knowing about him, but I'm interacting, I know him, right? So he says, because of this great faith in this interaction that comes, everything that you need will be supplied through the knowledge of him. Because God, by his own glory and virtue, not by anybody twisting his arm, by his own glory, his own omnipotence, according to his divine, his own peculiar power that overcomes any resistance... And his own virtue, his own moral excellence and righteousness. He gave us exceedingly great and precious 
promises. Now, he explains the purpose that we miss sometimes, like prosperity, so I can have a lot and then maybe establish his covenant. No, but he says, listen, all the promises have their culmination. Every exceeding great and precious promise that God ever made to humanity has its culmination of his will and his design that we may be partakers of his divine nature. Every promise that comes through Christ that God said, I'll do this, I'll ward off the enemy, I'll protect you, I'll provide for you, I'll sustain you, I'll bring it to pass. Why? Because there's going to be a moment leading to that Messiah when he comes and his blood is shed and you receive that, that I'm going to intertwine us in such a supernatural way that our life becomes one and you become like me. Like me. The high calling that Paul was pressing towards was the likeness of him. Right? We're not just trying to get by. The whole thing is about transformation. We'll show that in just a minute. All right. Covenant is so awesome. And when we get to it, you start thinking, man, I get to do this. I get to live the life of God. It's not like, oh, man, i got to give up some stuff. No, man, that's already gone. I'm partaking of life stuff. I'm partaking of eternal stuff. I'm partaking of stuff that's going to change lives forever. I'm not just trying to, oh, I got to give this up to get this. No, it's not transactional anymore. When you accepted Jesus, you gave that up and you partook of something totally new. You just got to get the knowledge. I got to get the knowledge of the new life and walk it out, not try to hold on to the old that we already gave up. All right. So you're with me. Praise the Lord. So first of all, in any covenant situation, you have to establish the promises. What are the promises? Once the promises are there, you uh, how do I know? These promises are going to be true in my life. How do I know that I could leave the things that I've been caught in and all the things that have happened in my life, good, better, and different, that were just simply temporal? How will I know that I could enter into this eternal state, partake of the divine nature, and become like him, free from sin? Now listen, if you're free from sin, sin is not really that big of an option. If, I, if the blood totally cleansed me of all sin, and then it cleansed my consciousness, how do I sin, right? The enemy is trying to keep us from that revelation because he comes back and comes to our consciousness. Remember when? Remember how? This is how you do stuff. And when you go like, who do stuff? I don't do that stuff because I'm not the one you're talking about. That person's dead. A new person's alive. So when we understand covenant, we realize that that happened. That happened. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, that happened. All right? So you have the promises. So now you need the covenant animals. So God said, go get the bull, uh, uh, get the doves. And he said, split them right down the middle. So they would come. And how they did it exactly, I don't know. There's different ways. But they split it from the back to the belly, right down the middle, and then let the pieces fall opposite. And there's a reason for that, because in all of that, that blood is dropping in the middle of the pieces. So the one becomes two, so that in that sacrifice, the two can become one. Right? So that innocent sacrifice of the one was parted so that sin could be eliminated, so that two could become one. So he has this, this process that goes on. So, so you have the promise. Then you have the sacrifice. Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So in the promise, again, the promise is taken. I'll go back a step. And, and you have to find the representatives of either tribe or, or either people to represent. Usually the princes, the sons of the, the, the tribal leaders or the kings, the princes. So we have our representative, Jesus Christ, the son of God and the son of man. So how is all this, how is all this going to happen? And people read the New Testament. People look at it and go, man, somewhere, some places it says he's the son of man. Some places it says he's the son of God. Is he the son of God or the son of man? Both. Because if he's not both, there's not a valid covenant. 
But because he's both the son of God and the son of man, he takes our blood of mankind and the blood of God and he mingles it together in covenant. Wow. Wow. So he is the representative. We're in him. And he's in us. So in Christ. So then, because he's that representative, the lamb slain. God split him right down the middle on the cross. The son of God, the son of man, spread wide open. The blood dripping down at the base of the cross. For as the blood of the sacrificial animal fell in between the pieces, they would call that the way of the covenant. When you walked in the blood, the innocent blood. So he did that and he said, here we go. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the blood. Why? Because it's about covenant relationship, not just wherever you ever want to have a relationship with God. It comes through covenant relationship, bloodshed. So he's the way. So now he's got the pieces out there. Again, you can read this in Genesis, going through this, this process. God came. They split the pieces. He put a sleep over Abram, and he began in the form of a smoking oven and a fire to pass through the pieces. It says he passed. God himself passed through the pieces. So it must be important, that way of covenant, because God himself passed through the pieces. It's recorded in other places that we might come to that as we go through this. All right. So the, the way of the pieces. Now... Tradition tells us that they, they started this process of passing through the pieces in walking through the pieces in a figure eight. So, Tasha, come up here. So, this is how this starts. They start back to back. That's not good relationship. Right? Now, if you say, I'm, I've got your back, you know, in a fight, maybe... But generally speaking, I can't see what you're doing, not good relationship. So they would start to pass through the pieces in a figure eight. So they would go like this. They would walk the way the pieces were arranged, and they would go here, and they would meet at this point, but they would continue the circle until they came around the circle, and then they would meet right here face to face, face to face. See, God, wherever he talks about somebody he had covenant with, he said, and he talked to them face to face. Why? Because they had a covenant relationship, right? It's face to face. Marriage covenant, face to face. God created human beings in intimacy to have intimacy, sexual intimacy, face to face. Why? Because it's a covenant relationship. Marriage is a covenant relationship. We have the deepest intimacy of union face-to-face, -face, right? And in that face-to-face -face union, they're standing there, and the first thing that they do, the first thing that they do is they begin to exchange their garments. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, you'll see that through that, that after David defeated Goliath, uh, he went back and talked to Saul they, when Paul, they'd finished their, their negotiation. It said David could no longer go home. He had to stay in the king's palace. And then his heart was knit to Jonathan's, and they made a covenant with one another. And when they stood in that covenant, they exchanged even Jonathan, his kingly robe, and his armor, even to his sword, his belt, and his bow. So they would come together, and they would take off their robe and exchange it. So he gave us, so Isaiah 61 says, he gave us his robe of righteousness. Now that robe just doesn't mean, oh, here's a coat. It meant, had the meaning here. This is my covering. This is my mantle. This represents all that I am and all that I have. So when we stood at the foot of the cross, Jesus having already done what? Completed the figure eight. Right? So in, in Ephesians 4, even before he gave gifts, it's a covenant when it says he gave gifts unto men, then it explains he who descended is the one who also ascended. He descended to the lower parts of the earth. He came from heaven. 
to earth, went down below the earth, came back up to earth, and then ascended. He did the figure eight. He completed it. Even when he said he would do that, he was explaining things to his disciples, and they were like scratching their head. And then he goes, I got to come down, I got to fulfill the course, and I got to go back. And then they went, oh, now you're talking. We get it. Covenant language. But listen, here's the thing. Jesus did that face to face. Here's what we leave out a lot of times in our altar call because of the time that's spent. So we're standing back to back. Throughout the New Testament, you see all signs, wonders, miracles, change of life. Why? Because Paul says, or Peter, right there in the book of Acts, he starts it and he says, you must repent. You must repent. Repent means go a different direction. So we have no relationship with God. Jesus came from God, went to hell for the sacrifice of our sin, came back through humanity, back to heaven. We have to say, I accept that. Therefore, I repent. I leave the way of my flesh. I come through the cross, through his death, his burial, and I come to this point of his resurrection. So, Colossians chapter 3 if we've then been raised with Christ. So we, if you understand covenant, you're like, okay. It's not like if you were buried and, 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 you know, if you were raised with Christ, which means you went through the whole process, you died to sin, the burial of the cross, you accepted the blood, you raised with Christ, now you seek those things which were above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is here with Christ and God. Right? When Christ, who is our life, appears, we'll be right there with him because we're in him. Our life is joined together. Therefore, put to death the deeds of the old man. Fornication, uncleanness, sexual immorality, all that stuff. So then he, what does he say? He said, he goes through some stuff. You can read it. And then he says, now put off the old man. So what do we do? He exchange, we exchange our robe, the old man. He takes it. He takes our burden, our sinful life on himself, but he gives us his life. That's why Colossians says, now you put on the new man, which was what? Created in the likeness and the image of him who created him. And then he lists what those are. They're not a list of have to, I got to put that. No, it's it's a list that says, okay. Well, I don't think I have it on this. Okay, this is made of cotton, rayon, wool. You know, don't put in the dryer or it will shrink. Right? Colossians is, this is what the new life is made up. This is the fabric of the robe that he's giving. You can sit down if you want. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is the fabric of the new robe that you've been given in your covenant with God. It has, you know, peace and joy. Turn over there. Colossians chapter 3. Praise the Lord. I got all hung up in my coat for service. There we go. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12, it says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. So he comes down and he says, how are you going to live your life now? How are you going to live your life now? Well, I don't know. I'm going to try to do all this stuff. No, he didn't do this as a list of what you have to try to do. He said, you entered into covenant with God. And this is, this is, The fabric, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, how to forgive one another, bear with one another, 
love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness. It is the fabric of the new coat that he has given to you. At that moment, you stood face to face with him making covenant. He made an exchange of your old sinful life and all that was in it, and you gave it away. You gave it away. You repented of it, gave it away, and he gave you a brand new life. And see, when it's transactional, we're trying to live, we're trying to live this life. But when we realize, this is my life. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. My mama, my grandmama was a worrier. My mama was a worrier. It's just our life. We're just worriers. No, you gave that to Jesus. Come on, your father was a lover. Your big brother Jesus was a lover. You're a lover. Your father has peace. Your big brother has peace. You have peace. I mean, if you can do it with the old man, just do it with the new man. It's the fabric of who you are. Why? Because we stood in that place at the cross in the way of covenant. And the blood was shed, our human blood and the blood of God. And we decided to do the figure eight and walk away from what was old and come through the cross and through the resurrection to be face to face with the King of kings and the Lord of lords and say, here's my old life. And he said, thank you very much. I'll take your old life. And here, why don't you take mine? Come on, just get that in your thinking for a second. So the next time you're like, I want to do this. I just, I just want to, I know it's sin. I know it's wrong, but I just want to do it. Why? Because you haven't realized that's not who I am anymore. And the devil just pulls on that. When you realize and he goes, come on, you want to do it. You've always wanted to do it. You go, I don't know who you're talking about. And not only that, it says he took that. You say, yeah, but it's so hard. I feel powerless when he comes. But wait a minute. While you are standing right there and you exchange robes, he said, now you give me your wimpy little power. He said, you go ahead and give me your flesh pocket knife. And you give me your little motocross little plastic shield. And your little helmet football helmet. Go ahead and give me that. So we go, Here, here's my armor. Here's how I've tried to protect myself. Here, here's my offenses. Here's my unforgiveness. Here's my anger. Here's my bitterness. But see, why don't we do that? Oh my God, if I do that, I'm vulnerable. People will take advantage of me. He said, no, go ahead and let her go because I'm about to unload on you my armor. <laughs> right down from my shield to my belt to my boat. Wow. Come on. We read it. We're like, okay, before I go to bed, I take off my armor. And when I get up in the morning, I got to remember to put my armor on. Now, if you took your armor off, put it on in the morning. But this is some comfortable sleeping armor. <laughs> and come on, some people are being attacked by the devil in the night. So just keep your armor on and sleep in it. He said, listen, this armor, he explains to us, this armor. We're like, where did it come from? I guess he just gave it. No, in covenant, he gave it. You exchange your weaponry of the flesh for the armor of God. He gave it to you. He said, listen, I'm going to give you my belt, and it's truth. Because your enemy is a liar. And he's really good at it. So you're going to need the truth. And don't just sling the truth on to where your pants will fall down. Tighten that baby up. Put that belt on tight because it's truth. And everything else that I'm giving you is held together by that truth, that belt. He said he's going to attack you with a lie. And then I want you to put on this breastplate of righteousness because he'll start to attack your heart. That you're not good enough. You're not, you're not able. You're not, uh, you've messed up too much. He said, but that breastplate will protect every inward organ of your spirit, your heart, your thinking, your mindset. He said, go ahead and put on my shoes of peace. Because that anxiousness of the devil, that worry, that stress that will try to overwhelm you, he said, put on those shoes of peace. It'll give you traction in life. When nothing else, everything seems so slippery and difficult. My shoes of peace will put traction under you to fulfill the will of God. 
He said, put on your head that helmet of salvation. Man, to protect your mind, the thoughts that come, the imaginations contrary to God, what's going to happen, what could happen, how you are, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. But he'll encompass your mind that you've been saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole, and prospered by the blood of the Lamb. Man, it'll guard your mind. It'll keep you thinking right. Oh, I don't know if I can prosper. I don't know how this is going to work. No, I'm saved. I'm not just going to heaven. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. He said, now you get that shield of faith up there out in front of everything. He said, he's going to shoot fiery darts from your future. Right? Those, those uh, archers in a battle, they don't get up right in your face and go, Pfft. I mean, Robin Hood maybe something, but in a battle, what do they do? They get the fiery darts and they get out on the hill somewhere and they shoot those dart, those things to do what? To keep you way out there from advancing. So I said, your faith in what God has already done for you out in front keeps you advancing. And every fiery dart that the enemy tries to say, you'll never make it. You can't come here. You're inadequate. He starts shooting stuff from your future. You have the shield of faith and say, if God said it, I'll do it. If God promised it, he'll perform it. I believe it. And that settles it, which is every fiery dart. He said, and you're going to have some encounters, close contact encounters. So I'm going to give you the sword of the spirit. And you draw that right from the belt of truth. And you take all the truth that you've strapped on your waist. And when the enemy lies to you, you speak it. And don't stop speaking it. You swing it towards righteousness and you swing it back to cut down unrighteousness. You bring it forth. Come on, he's exchanged even his life and his power. Sometimes we go, what a big life, but it's going to be hard to do that. He said, listen, I've given you my life, and I've given you the power to execute it and stand against every strategy of the enemy. He said, this is not something that you have to try to do. When you yielded at the cross and you accepted your resurrection from the dead, It became yours to live. Not to try to live. It became your life to live. So Paul said, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Whew, same kind of life. Same quality of life. We're like, how did Paul do that? Paul must have really been something. He understood covenant relationships. He said, when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, there was a divine exchange, an inward transformation that took place. And when I understand the inward transformation, then I begin to live it outwardly. And it's not a drudgery. Once we find it's covenant, it's like, oh man, I gotta be a Christian. Oh my God, that means I gotta stop doing all this kind of stuff. I gotta stop. No, you don't have to stop. That part of you is dead. And just like Jesus came to the earth, he died. He rose from the dead, ascended into heaven so that he'll never, ever, ever die again. He said, if you get covenant, he's talking covenant. Paul's talking covenant. He's saying, just like, just like, just like Jesus, you were back to back. And he completed the circle, coming to the earth, dying, raising from the dead. In very same manner, in like manner, you died to sin, came through the cross, raised to a newness of life. Now, sin no longer has dominion because you're in covenant with God stand up wow I didn't even get as far as the first service
I vowed to get farther, and I got less far. I know that was mostly review. If you were here, sorry. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So important. So important in my heart. Just studying, just coming to a place this summer. Thinking about mindsets. You know, we got into that, mindsets. How we deal with our mindsets. And I came on that. How could we have the proper mindset of anything if we don't have a covenant mindset? Started going through God, Word of God mindsets, and they seem to tweak to me a little bit. You can teach them, but tweak if you don't understand the depth of covenant in that. Beginning to go back and study this. It's so vitally important. I told the first service. I, I, you know, I've asked God over and over, you know, don't ever let me just take for granted this pulpit. I, want, I don't want to get too comfortable here. I want to bring the Word of God. Since we've been starting about covet every morning, every Sunday morning, my hands are shaking. I'm not saying that to impress you. I mean, this is a weighty, weighty thing for us to get. And, and please, you know, I get to preach, and that's just the way that I am. You know, I, get my, I, I use up my voice. I'm almost wore out. Some of you might think, are you angry, man? You just That's just my intensity. I, I, I don't, I'm not angry. I, I'm so excited about covenant, I can hardly contain myself. But I, I just want you to understand this. I know I keep saying this, but to me, it's such a huge risk. I don't want to be preaching at you covenant. I want to be sharing the covenant with you. That we all begin to understand this covenant. That we join together in covenant because it's your covenant with him. If you have a family, it's your covenant with your But we have covenant. If we don't understand that, but if we come together in covenant... There's covenant things, you know. The book of Acts exploded. Thousands of people were saved because they had an idea. We're in covenant with one another. Nothing is, is just belongs to us individually. We have all things in common, right? It might have looked different than it's going to look now, but I believe God's saying, listen, if the body will come and have all things in common and the hearts of the lost and the kingdom of God in mind and join together in this depth of covenant relationship that I've designed, the church will be unstoppable, and I don't know about you in these times, and there may, we may get to heaven, and you go, ha, ah, you were wrong, I was right. But <laughs> I just don't think it's right to think that we're going to trudge through the wind and the snow, just have the devil beat the snot out of us, and just go, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and I've been beat up by the devil a lot, but I can't wait till I die and go to heaven. Or that Jesus is going to come rapture a broke-down church that the devil is so dominating by the sin of the world. Because then what happens through all of eternity? The devil just says, if you wouldn't have taken him out, I win. If you wouldn't have taken him out, I win. So because he's confused us, we don't know the bond, the covenant, the rights, the privileges, the life, the armor. We're going around just if I could just get to heaven. But I believe that we come to a point of like, hold heaven off. Like Paul said, Paul said, I could go and be with Christ right now and it would be better, but I'm staying for your benefit. I'm hanging around here because there's some power and there's some demonstration getting people saved. Why would I want to leave now when we're at our finest hour? And that the church gets this and there's such a revival. Now just stay with me. I'm imagining, I'm not giving you doctrine, but let me just imagine for a moment to stir you up. I got this years ago. If you've been with us for years, you know this. I was reading Exodus and how the, the plagues came upon the world, but not on the people of God. It was really a rough time and all that, and God was doing something. And the last plague that he brought, Pharaoh said this. Pharaoh, I'm paraphrasing, but Pharaoh said, get these people out of here. They are creating more problems for me than they're worth. And God delivered them. Just stay with me. That there's such a revival coming. If we understand covenant, we understand our life and we live it. We understand our power and we live it. And we do it not for ourselves, but for the lost and for the kingdom of God. That so many people are getting saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole, prospered, that the devil calls for the rapture. Just, just, all right, I mean, people just flip, flipped out on that one, like, oh my God, that's not doctrine, heresy, heresy. I already told you, I'm not preaching doctrine. I'm just trying to stir you up. Instead of like, oh, we're trudging through the wind and the cold, God, help us, get us out of here. Wouldn't it seem more appropriate 
that the devil's like, when are you coming for these people? They are tearing down and destroying the kingdom of darkness. Will you come and get your bride? Now listen, he said he's coming for his bride, not beat down, not tattered, ragged, caught in adultery with the world. He said he's coming for a bride, a glorious bride, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Come on, there's something in the revelation of covenant relationships that's transforming if we allow it to sink in. I'm convinced. You can just say, wow, he really got excited today. Um, Or you can go, God, what are you saying to me about my covenant relationship? What are you saying? That's not who I am anymore. I'm in. Then watch how much differently we deal with situations knowing that's not who we are. We're like him. Y'all with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the magnificent covenant that we have with you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We've just talked about this covenant. We've gotten a little bit excited. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never said, here I am. I want my old life, my old sin taken away. It's at that place of the cross that we say, here's my old life, the sin. And he says, when you do that, I'll forgive you, I'll wash you, and I'll give you a brand new life so that any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. Why? Because there's a dynamic exchange at the place of the cross. Not a drudgery of laying down this stuff that you like to do and getting something religious. No, it's a great exchange that when you come to him, all the things that tattered and and bound your life and created the frustration and the anxieties and the stress, they're gone. The guilt and the shame is gone. And he gives you his life. It's not a religious life. It's a full life. It's an overflow of the God kind of life. If you're here this morning, you say, I've never given my life to the Lord. I've never experienced that covenant action of yielding my life and receiving his, being born again. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning come into that place. I acknowledge that hand. Anybody else? Just wait a minute. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something we don't do all the time. I'm going to ask you to come up here. Just in our example of face-to-face, if you want to make that exchange, I want to to stand face-to-face making that exchange. If you raise your hand, come up here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Step out. I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Praise God. He said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father and the angels in heaven. What a great thing. What a great thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Everybody put out your hands like this. For a chance, people watching. We'll just all pray this prayer together. If you're watching, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Just believe. Just use your imagination for a moment that you're standing at the foot of the cross face to face with Jesus. That you're making that decision to repent, to leave your old way of life, your old way of thinking. Be forgiven at the cross by the blood. And now it's time to make the exchange of that life and receive his life. So say this with me. Say, Father God, Father God. I come to you. In Jesus' name. And today, I'm ready to repent of my old life and give it to you. 
I'm ready to receive your life. I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Forgive my sin. Give me your newness of life. Make me whole once again. I receive your life now. I declare you as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer, you can go onto our website, uh, share your story, tell us that you prayed that prayer. We want to get some information in your hands. If you happen to pray that prayer without coming up front, here we have altar workers up here. Come tell them you prayed that prayer. We want to get that information in your hands. It'll help you expound upon the things that we've talked to you about today. Praise the Lord. Hope you got something out of that. Sorry, that last little bit where I just tried to tell you what I saw in the end times. Took a little bit more time. But um, praise the Lord. God's good. Amen. He's a redeemer of time. Say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight. I got it.